My name is Michael Sam. I am the pastoral intern here at Restoration Community Church, and I'm grateful that I get to serve alongside Pastor Hill and Miss Melissa um, and being a part of Shepherding RCC. And so, as y'all can see, Pastor Hill is out this morning. He's preaching at one of our partner churches, Neartown Church, which is located in the Montrose District. And so, uh, please be praying for him in his absence. This morning, we're going to continue in our series, It's Never Too Late. If you've been here throughout the summer, you know that this is about our 10th our sermon in the series. So, so we've been in it for a while, talking about it's never too late. And the main idea in this series is that it's never too late to be used by God for anyone, no matter what your background is, no matter how you have felt, no matter what your insecurity is, or even the character flaws you may have, God can use you in his kingdom. And so we've had the opportunity to look at several different biblical characters throughout uh, this series, starting with Moses. Many of y'all know Moses. Moses was a man of God who God used to lead his people out of Egypt, out of slavery. After we looked at Moses, we looked at Rahab, who got used in spite of her occupation as a prostitute because she decided to place her faith in God. Next, we looked at the person of David, King David, who got used in spite of his Lust, in spite of his decision to commit murder against one of his guys who he was very close with, God used him because he decided to repent and turn back to God. Following David, we looked at the person, Sarah, Abraham's wife. And God used her in spite of her doubt in God and allowed her to birth the child even at old age. And lastly, last week, we looked at the person, Peter who in spite of his arrogance, God used him to be the founder of the church. And so we look at all of these people and we could say many things about them, but most of the time we we will say that they're overcomers, that they're conquerors, that they are great men and women of God. But as we've seen in this series, all of these people had character flaws. All of these people had great failures. Yet God, in his great mercy, decided to use them to be assets for his kingdom. And so many of us can relate to these people. And we hope, many of us hope, that just as God used them and said, it's never too late for me to use your life. We hope that God will use our life in the same way. We hope that God would show mercy to us, that he would show grace to us, that he would say it's never too late in our life. Because all of us have failures. Today, I want to suggest to you that as much as God is a personal God and as much as he is committed to your own personal redemption, that it's never too late. Narrative is much bigger than you and I. It's much bigger because the it's never too late. Narrative is God's story. It's God's story to redeem people and to restore his creation to himself. Today, we will examine how God has worked throughout history to usher in one of the greatest comebacks of all times. It is my desire that you would see the greatness of God, that you would see his love for his creation and how he 
has given each and every one of us a unique opportunity to be a part of his restoration, of the establishment of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So let me pray. Father God, thank you that you look at us and that you call us your own, that you look at us and that you say it's never too late. Father God, thank you for giving us the testimony of many people that's gone before us who you have used, who you have called back to yourself in spite of their sin and allowed them to have a relationship with you to be restored to you. I pray that as we look at your story, how you sent Jesus, that we would be challenged either in our conviction to return to you to become your son and daughter through faith in Jesus or to join you in your work of restoration by making disciples as you have commanded us to. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in 1 Peter. 1 Peter. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand and someone will give you a Bible. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3. Looking at verse 18. The word of God reads, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Today we will see that it's never too late narrative is grounded in a great act for a valued people that results in ultimate restoration. The it's never too late narrative is grounded in a great act for a valued people that results in ultimate restoration. The great act as we see in this verse, is the suffering of Christ once for the sins of the world. The suffering Christ once for the sins of the world. A great act is an act that is worth a standing ovation. It's riveting, it's moving. It causes people not just to think about the act, but it it transforms people, it moves people into action. And that's the act of Jesus. The act of Jesus is a life-giving act. You see in Scripture that it tells us all that have sinned has fallen short of the glory of God. This is the state of humanity. As we have seen in the life of David and the life of Sarah and others, Scripture shows us that even the best of us fall short of the glory of God. Even the best of us fall short of God's standard. And scripture informs us in Romans 6, 23, that as a result of this sin, as a result of our disobedience to God, it's death. It's eternal separation from God. Brothers and sisters, sin is our problem. It keeps us from experiencing the life that we were designed to live in. It keeps us from being the person God created us to be. The great act of Jesus Christ took us sinful, broken people who were dead in Christ and hopeless for reconciliation with God and 
It gave us life in Christ. This is the great act of Jesus. He washed away our sin. He forgave us. He restored us in our relationship with the family of God. He gave us hope and he gave us a future. You see, I remember growing up in a traditional black church. There we had a mass choir who wore robes. We had a pastor who whenever the spirit moved, he would hoop and he would holler and he would shout. We had several congregants who wouldn't mind bringing their dancing to the church. They wouldn't mind running. It was a emotional, it was a powerful experience. And sometimes as a kid, I didn't fully understand it. I found the whole experience plain awkward. What was even more awkward was that I was the son of a man who could hang out with the best of them. He wouldn't mind shouting. He wouldn't mind screaming at the top of his lungs, expressing his praise for Jesus. And I didn't understand this until I did. You see, the great act of Jesus is worth shouting for. It is worth praising for. It is worth crying and weeping for. It is an act that is moving. It's an act that is transforming. It's an act that's worth a standing ovation. Because the truth is, none of us is worthy of this act. None of us is worthy of the grace of God. None of us is worthy of the mercy of God or the patience of God for us to return to Him. None of us is worthy of any of these things. The act of Jesus is a great act. But it's not just an act. The great act of Jesus is an act that is for a valued people. It's for you and I. After Peter reminds us of Christ's suffering, he tells us who the suffering was for. He says the righteous for the unrighteous. Jesus Christ is the righteous one. He is the son of God. He is the creator of the world. The scripture describes Jesus's life as a life that was without sin. It was devoted to a people that was sinful and it was submitted to a holy God. He was focused. He was on a mission for he had come here to restore, to save, to seek the lost. And then there was us. All of y'all know who we are. We're the sinful people, the unrighteous people. Isaiah 64, 6 describes our state well by saying, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities, which is our sin, like the wind, take us away. Though we don't always admit, based on God's standard, none of us are righteous. None of us are good. Yet God has chose to die for us. This is the beauty of the Christian faith. In no other faith does the God, does the Savior come and die for his people. But in the Christian faith, God looks at us and he says, that you're valuable, that you're worth dying for. He looks at us and he points at each and every one of us and he says, mine, 
And he claims us as his own. This is Jesus. This is our God. This is the great act that he's done because he said we're valuable. He said that it's never too late. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is couched in Matthew 19. It's the story of Jesus going from village to village. And he's teaching the people about the good news of the gospel, that they can have hope in him. And he's performing miracles. He's healing the sick and he's doing all kinds of things. And he has a huge crowd following him. And the scripture says in a moment he stops and he saw the crowds and he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When was the last time you stopped and you looked at yourself? Or you looked at your family or your coworkers or your classmates and you had compassion for them. You see, that's how Jesus looks at us. We were the people that he died for so that he could become our shepherd so that he could care for us and lead us and guide us and protect us. He sees us as a valuable people. He valued those people so much in this in this story that he just doesn't stop and look at them with compassion and then keep going. The scripture says that he looks at his disciples, he looks at his followers, those that were devoted to him, and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. You see, at the time, what the disciples didn't understand is that Jesus was asking them to pray to him. And that they would be the answer to that prayer just moments later. Jesus would send them out two by two all across the community to share the gospel. You see, that's how valuable we are to Jesus, that he allows us to be the answer to our own prayer. He allows us to be the response team. He allows us to be a part of his restoration. He doesn't just come and restore us, but he sends us out two by two into places for people that he values to restore them also. When was the last time that you prayed for laborers to be sent to the lost? And when was the last time you were the answer to that prayer? I am convinced that the value we place on our life in Christ, the value we place on our our salvation is a correlation to the value we place on sharing the same hope that we have in Christ with others. You see, if we value our our position in Christ, that we are sons and daughters of of Christ that we have a secured eternal hope that our salvation is promised 
then we should look at other people who don't have that same hope, who don't have that same salvation, and we should share the good news of the gospel with them. Because we value them, just as Jesus values us. Lastly, a great act for a valued people resulted in ultimate restoration. The scripture says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. And then it ends with this, that he might bring us to God. I remember reading this passage two years ago, right before I did a chapel for a group of elementary kids. And the translation that I was reading, instead of saying that he might bring us to God, said, in order to bring us safely home, to God. So there was a little tweak there. The idea is that home is where we belong. When you go home, you're you're comfortable. When you go home, you know where everything is. When you go home, you feel like you belong there. And the scripture tells us that God is at home. God is at our eternal home. You see, we belong with God and God loves us so much that God has prepared a way for us to return home to him. Brothers and sisters, that's love. I cannot express how moved I was in that moment when reading that scripture. You see, we were created to live and move and be in the family of God. Though our sin keeps us from experiencing this reality fully, God says, I'm going to take care of that. He says, I got that covered. And he sent Jesus to do a great act for a valued people. You see, he is committed to us. He desires to restore us. Today, if you're not a follower of Christ or you're unsure about your relationship with Jesus, know that. God sees you and he desires for you to receive him. John 1 12 says to all who did receive him. Who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. Every now and then when I'm scrolling down Facebook, I'll see one of these videos. It's a video of a military person returning home for a surprise visit. And I don't know about y'all, but those videos always make me a little emotional. The family doesn't know this man or woman is coming home. He knocks on the door or rings the doorbell. And one of the family members come to the door. And I don't know if they never look through the peephole or what. But like they open the door just like immediately like they're surprised. Like if you look through the peephole, you can see that the person's there. So anyways, (laughs) but they open the door and with just so much excitement, they just start screaming. And the other family members, they run to the door because they're like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, there's a party there right at the door. 
Everyone's jumping around, hugging each other, kissing each other, excited that this person that's been away has returned home. And they're safe. And they can experience this love. You see, as beautiful as that picture is, the beauty of the restoration of God's children returning home to them is just as beautiful. You see, the scripture says that when a non-believer returns home to God, the angels in heaven are literally throwing a party for for them. They're throwing a party. You can imagine they're dancing, they're shouting. They probably got the best food there, probably got the best drinks there. They're having an awesome time. This is the beauty of the restoration of God's children when we return home to them. And God's saying you can be a part, you can be a part of that. As I close, I would like to show you in Scripture what ultimate restoration will look like. Revelations chapter 21, verse 1 through 5. It reads, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things that have passed away. And he who has seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Brothers and sisters, think about that. God said, I am making all things new. It's never too late. He's given us an opportunity to join him in his work of restoration. For the non-believer, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. It's never too late. God desires to come in to our lives, but it it requires repentance and belief in Jesus as Lord and Savior. For the believer, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's never too late. God desires for us as believers to join him in this work of restoration by making disciples. To make a disciple simply means to live a life and ask other people to join you on this journey of following Jesus. 
It is to share with them the hope that you have in Jesus, what he has done in your life, and ask them to submit also to Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. It is to teach them all that you've learned about Jesus. And as you continue to learn, to continue to teach them about the things of God. It is to invite them into a Christian community like this church and allow them to experience the family of God and God's love. It is to remind them of the hope that Jesus promises that one day we will be with him and he will make all things new. So whether you are a believer or a non-believer, you can make a next step here. So if you need help making this next step, I want to ask you to come talk to me or Miss Melissa after church. We would love to help you, whether that be means in making a decision to be a follower of Christ or just understanding what does it mean to join God in his work of restoration and making disciples. You're like, I don't know what that means. We want to help you do that. And so it's never too late because God is committed to a great act for a valued people that results in ultimate restoration for all who receive Jesus. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for the work that you have done through Jesus. We thank you that he has come He lived a perfect life without sin and he died the death that we should have died in order to pay for our sins and to restore us into a right relationship with you. Now we can say we're children of God and we can know your love and we can be the people we were created to be and live the life we were designed to live because of the great act that you've done for us a people who were unworthy, yet you looked at us and you called us valuable and you restored us into a relationship with God. Father God, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you that it's never too late. And we pray that we would be a people who continues to communicate this message to a world that is far from you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.